I have this side of me that can be very revengeful. Um, you know, the work that we do in, in the Men Creating Peace program, and it comes from the Man Alive tradition, is that the, in the work, the very early stages of the work, we name our hitman, our violent side, our abusive side, and words that describe how we become when we become mm. abusive. And mine is the justified, vengeful equalizer. So <laughs> it's a, oh. he, he's mean. He's, he, he gets revenge. If you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to hurt you. So mm. it, it's, and, it, and I get biblical, right? It's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, you're going to feel the pain that you inflicted on me. And, and sometimes you're going to feel it worse. And that, that hitman side of me, that, that justified, vengeful equalizer, has gotten me into a lot of trouble. Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest is Devin Gaster. He's a co-founder and executive director of Men Creating Peace. Um, Devin has been working for 20 plus years with men around redeeming their own well-being and selves after potentially harmful behaviors, domestic violence, um, other types of violence. Uh, one of the things I really am excited about this conversation that you're going to hear is some important conversations around where do we go when we've created harm? How do we begin to re reverse those things that we've learned in our lives, maybe sometimes after it may be seemingly too late? Where do you go when you've caused harm and now you're trying to redeem yourself, not only just for the people you harm by saying maybe I'm sorry or making amends there, but for your own self. You know, there's a concept that you're going to hear in this conversation that I am that I'm fascinated by um, and that I'm really excited that you're going to get to hear Devin talk about it. He talks about this concept of the male belief, the male role belief system. The male role belief system. It's a, a system that we've designed for ourselves of what our role is as a man. And different cultures have different roles for men to play. But there's a time when our male role belief system gets threatened. That means threaten us who we think our authentic selves are supposed to be. And then shows up the hitman. <laughs> and the hitman is the part of ourselves that justifies our any action that it takes to get us back to not only being our authentic self. It's like um, it's shaped by the gender norms and a hitman is protecting us. Like, so we jump into action and you're going to hear Devin talk about his. I'm still trying to name mine. I don't want to steal Devin's hitman name, but Devin calls his hitman the justified vengeful equalizer. And I resonate with that. And I'm working on creating the name for my own hitman when I feel threatened and I feel um, under attack of my male role, my male role belief system. I hope you can really take in this conversation. I think this conversation probably should be shared with everyone you know who you've seen maybe get taken over by their emotions. Maybe you know their hitman more than you know their real authentic self because they're maybe always in hitman mode always ready to protect their own masculinity or their own identity. Uh, I'm super excited about this conversation and I'm super excited that, you know, um, Devin is going to hopefully do some work with Ever Forward and help train some of our young men. I think the more our young men can learn about how emotions work and how when we get threatened in some ways, maybe not physically threatened, but just emotionally threatened, how we may lash back out. Oh, man. You know, we make our mask together and we have this conversation. So I really hope that you not only enjoy this conversation, but that you share it with somebody who you think can benefit. Um, I am excited to continue helping young people, definitely in our community, young men learn about how to show up as more their authentic self, which is not in a box around what people have said we have to act like and be like. And so today's conversation with Devin Gaster um, I hope you will really enjoy it. Um, if you have a major mask, you can do that at 100kmasks.com. And 
if you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, share this episode with someone. I really think that it's going to be a game changer for a lot of people. Take care. Thank you for being a listener to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. We look forward to hearing you soon. Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today's guest is Devin Gaster. Um, I got connected to Devin through a really good friend, brother, cousin of mine, um, and he attended one of our Ever Forward men's workshops. And we just made a really impactful connection, and, I, and I'm really excited about having him on the show today. So, Devin, welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. Thank you, Ashanti. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I really am excited about uh, being able to share a little bit about this work that I do, and also to work with you and, and the work that you do. Well, man, let's start there. Let's. Will you tell folks about the work you do? Tell us about a little bit about yourself. I like the guests to to share their story as much as they're you know able in this moment, and then we'll jump into the work. Okay. So I am the right currently. I'm the executive director and founder of a program called Men Creating Peace here in Oakland, California, and uh, we are a program that's been in existence for 14 years. And we work with men who have issues with abusive behaviors, anger, um, and intimate partner violence. So the majority of our clients come to us from the courts or probation or from the criminal justice system. Um, and then we also have a number of clients that are self-referred. You know, hear about us through our website or through graduates or other folks in the community that have heard about our work. Um, and the program is very unique. We're, we're not about shaming or judging or painting everyone in the same brush. You know, the program is really about forgiveness and, and really about healing and healing families and trying to share information about what we've gathered and the work that we've done over the years um, to help these men to change their lives. Um, the program doesn't work. Uh, these batters treatment programs don't work. Anger management programs don't work. The men that go through the programs have to work the program themselves. They have to internalize the information and Put those tools to work uh, or it's not going to change their, you know, they're not going to have any, any positive effect. So we tell them that right off the bat, right? It's like, okay, so you're here, you've been sent here or you're here because you've, you've got some issues with your anger or your use of behavior. So the way this works is you be accountable. You know, in the first class, we ask them to be accountable for, you know, a story that they have chosen, you know, to be abusive around. It could be the story that got them into jail, or it could be the story that brought them to a place of realization that they need help. Um, they share that story on the first night, and the men welcome them into the program, just like you're welcoming someone into their living room. You know, and, uh, and again, they start to share a little bit of information with the new man and tell them about some of the things that are happening for them, or maybe some of the things that are you know, changing in their lives. And, um, and then at the end of the program, we ask if they're willing to make some agreements and if they'd like to join the class. So it's all about choice, really. Um, mm -hmm. The first class is always free. There's no pressure for the man to join. There's no uh, cost involved. They can just come and check it out, see what they think, ask questions of the, of the other participants, ask questions of the facilitator, and then make the decision themselves. If they want to think about it, that's fine. Uh, if they want to talk to me further about it, that's also fine. But if they want to join, we ask them then to make some agreements with the other men in the, in the class so that every, everyone is on the same page and they know what they're getting into. This is not a parenting class. This is not an AA class or an NA class. It's a class for men who agree that they have an issue with their abusive behavior and that they want to stop that abuse. So that's where we start. That's where we begin. Um, my story goes back 24 years, 25 years. I was uh, going through uh, a divorce with my first wife and I committed domestic violence to my wife. I put her in the hospital uh, due to the injuries that I, that I perpetrated. Um, and she went to the emergency room at Kaiser in San Francisco and they called the police and the police came and arrested me in front of our eight-year-old daughter at the time and in front of all our neighbors and took me away to jail. And that's how it started, uh, sitting in the back of a police car for the first time and then going to jail and sitting in a jail cell for the first time. It was my bottom. It was definitely uh, a place where I never thought I'd be. And I didn't realize until I got into the system or and started attending classes 
that I had been violent all my life, that I had been abusive all my life. And, and every one of my relationships, um, in my family life, uh, in my friendships, in the business I owned at the time, uh, I was a florist in San Francisco. I had my own business and I was being uh, abusive to my employees. I was being abusive to, to the people around me. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even realize it. I didn't understand it. Maybe I knew it on a certain level, but I wasn't conscious of it. Um, and going to the classes, I went to a program called Man Alive. And um, that's a program that was developed in Marin County at the Marin Abused Women's Services, which is a women's shelter. And so it was, the program was designed with a women's experience and, and children's experience of men's violence. So it came from a very different perspective. Um, when they developed the program back in the, the 80s, the early 80s, um, the, you know, the, the women that were in the shelter there in Marin were like, we don't want to lose our husbands, or our boyfriends. We want them to get help to stop their mm -hmm. violence to us. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like they wanted to end their relationship. They wanted to give the men some tools to change their behavior. Um, and, and that's what the program was based on. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I went through that program for a year, went through probation, went through the courts, went through all the hoops that I had to go through and came out the other side. Um, and then I was invited to do some public speaking in the community in San Francisco about my experience of being a, a per person that had caused harm in his relationship and then going through a domestic violence program. And, and then what was that like for me? And what was it like today, you know, after going through the program? Uh, so I started doing that. It was a, a big challenge for me because I had never been a good public speaker. I was always nervous and my knees knocked and I stuttered and had a lot of problems. But once I did it a few times, it got easier and easier. Um, and uh, I, I felt like I was doing something to give back. You know, they, yeah, in the, yeah. the Man Alive program, it's called the fourth stage, which is the, the restoration stage, which is giving back. You know, so it was uh, modeled on that restorative justice about going back and trying to heal some of the harm that I had caused to my relationship, to my family, to my community um, by going and sharing my story. Um, and I, I found that it was very useful. It, it, people came up to me after the presentation, talked to me. They asked how they could get you know, friends or relatives that needed help into the program. And so that's how it started for me. And uh, I, I realized that I wasn't able to save my relationship or my marriage, yeah. but maybe I could help another man save his. Yeah. Maybe I could help another woman or child avoid you know, further, further violence and further abuse and further trauma. If I could share my experience and, and what I gained from the program. And so I started going back to the group. I, I really missed the group, uh, the support that I was receiving every week. I had gotten away from that for a couple of months and I found that I really missed it and needed it. And so I went back once a week and started to train as a facilitator and it took a year. And then I started to facilitate groups once a week. I continued to run my business and then eventually lost my business and my divorce and filed bankruptcy and had all kinds of other issues. But um, eventually came out the other side and I started to do this work. And I worked uh, all over the Bay Area. I've worked in Marin and San Francisco and up in Sacramento and Yolo County. I've worked in many jails and uh, I've worked in a few prisons. I've worked in San Quentin. And all these years, uh, it, it has been my, my honor to do this work and to touch other men and to share them, you know, with them, my experience and, and my story and to gain their trust and to gain, you know, their uh, ability to open up to me, you know, to become vulnerable to me and share what they're going through. And, and in a lot of ways I, I was able to just listen and, and, yeah. you know, and that's been the, the part of it that it's been, you know, I guess the biggest gift and blessing for me is being able to, to listen to men's stories. I've heard hundreds, if not a thousand stories of yeah. men that I've worked with over the years. Um, and, and some of them I've been able to help and some of them, you know, I see them come back mm -hmm. again and again. Um, and I got to let that go. Um, yeah. We started men creating peace in 2007 here in Oakland. And I was invited to come to the uh, Alameda County Domestic Violence Collaborative Meeting for the first time with a good friend of mine. And that's how it started here in Alameda County. I started to talk to the people that were involved in the domestic violence, intimate partner violence field here. Uh, I met some uh, of the attorneys. Uh, Kim Hunter was one of the people that I talked to uh, early on and, and helped me to kind of, you know, realize that there was a need for another type of men's group here. Um, yeah. I went to probation and asked uh, if they would be willing to allow me to start a new program and they were resistant to it at first. Yeah. 
Mm. And uh, it took about three years before probation was willing to certify us. But we, we started and Laney College gave us a start. That was, uh, you know, I, I just thank them so much for uh, taking the chance on us and allowing us to have a classroom space to do the work. We started with no clients at all, just me and uh, one of my friends uh, named Tom Siepel. And we started it in a classroom at Laney College in March of 2007. And we then we got we started to get clients coming to us from the collaborative, people that had heard about us in the collaborative and other community members and community-based organizations and clergy and therapists started to send us clients. Um, other counties that I had worked with, men uh, were being referred to our program for those counties. And, and we based our, our program on the Man Alive program that I had gone through and a lot of the same core curriculum. But then we added to it. We added a whole lot of different things, different teaching modalities to it. And then it grew. And then eventually we got probation to certify us and we started to get more referrals. And now we have four classes a week that we do on Zoom. We were doing three different locations each week, one in Berkeley, one at Laney, and one in San Leandro. But after COVID, we had to shut down for a couple of months yeah. and then we re reopened on, on Zoom. So we're not sure what's you know in the future, but... Um, we have continued to, to hold groups and uh, help men and uh, be a resource for the community. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm so honored to continue to reach out and touch other folks through different platforms. And I, I'm appreciative for meeting you and, and really appreciate the work that you're doing in the community, Ashante. And I hope that you and I can work together to reach more, more men and more young men, especially, and do early intervention to try and stem this tide of intimate partner violence and, and, and violence in general that men do. Yeah. Well, let's take a, take a breath right there, just in the, the fullness, uh, just in the fullness of all that is and all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. And I definitely am excited about this conversation. I think, you know, last night I had the opportunity to sit into one of the circles and um, I would just tell you, uh, that was a really powerful experience. And uh, I'm excited for, you know, you to, to I think you, when you came to the first workshop, I'm not sure if you made a mask then, but you, now we get to make one and we get to share it together. I think you shared a lot of things that people wouldn't know by looking at you, right? I think that's the right. part of this idea about the mask is like when we look at people, we may notice some things on the outside but there's so much that we don't know. But oftentimes our judgment of people is based on what we see when we see them or even how we see them operate and how we see them act. And therefore, if that becomes our limited knowledge of them, that becomes our judgment of them. But the, the story is so, so much more complex. The so much, story is so much more complex, right? And I think um, how do we begin to navigate that, right? And so I'm excited that we get to be in this conversation today. So are you ready to make a mask? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. So um, you have a piece of paper handy? I do. I have paper. Yeah. Handy. And as you were talking and your intro, I thought, you know, what? I was going to share a mask that I made the other day in Spanish, but I'm going to um, I'm going to make a new one. I'm going to make a new one. Something called me to make a new one right now. So um, on this piece of paper you have. Um, let's see. Do I have a little piece here. Get a piece of paper here. Um, there's two steps. Just fold the paper in half, so like horizontally. I'll fold the paper in half like that. Can I just use two sides? Like the front and back? Yeah. Oh, it's like a, a three by five card? Well, it's sort of a three by four. It's just a piece oh, okay. of paper. Okay. Let's, uh, let's just fold it in half because what we're going to do is okay. – uh, okay, You know what? You can use the front and back. You can use the front and back. Go ahead. Let's do that. Let's do that. That works. That's how that's how the original uh, – that's how the original uh, – workshop was it was it was the front and it was the front and back oh and I'm, see it all happens for a reason everything's happening right now is happening for a reason so let's do front and back and i'm going to show you when we want to reshare ours i'm going to show you a young man who showed uh who, who made a mask at one of our workshops and um it was truly um like not only powerful to to read it but every time i read it i, I i'm I'm kind of struck again at kind of how much stuff that we that we hold in, hold back, and uh, I, I think it's going to be really telling to the work that you're doing. So let me find that card. 
Do you want me to draw a mask, draw a picture of a mask? Yeah, so the first step, the first step is to draw a mask. So your first step on the on the front side, we're going to use the sides representing the front and the back, okay? So mm -hmm. since you're going to use the front, why don't you say um, the left side is going to be the front, or, or actually you're doing two different sides. So, yeah, so the front and then the back. So let's call this side we're going to start on right now the front. The mask right. people, the mask that I want people to see. Well, first, first, the first step is just to draw a mask. Okay. Before we write any words, okay. we're just gonna take a take a minute and just draw something. Draw what you envision a mask looks like. Um, you know, be simple. It could be complex. Um, just let your let whatever comes to you come to you. Do you like drawing? Mm, not particularly. Okay. I'm I'm I have a different artistic talent. You know, I, I I'm a floral artist. So uh, I create beautiful okay. works of art with flowers. Interesting. I've been doing that for wow, almost forty years. Can't well, believe that means that. That, that means that you have a definitely a understanding of color connections and arrangements, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. definitely. Right on. How did you get into that? How did you get into um, the the floor the floral industry. Yeah, it's a long story, brother. <laughs> oh, okay, well, well, we'll, we'll say we'll. You know, it was in college. Um, you know, I was right. looking for a career to do a report on. I had a, a class in college my senior year called career exploration, and okay. I was going to explore the cruise industry. I was going to—that's what my dream was—to go in and work on a cruise ship and sail around mm. the world. And uh, that was just before the internet. So I couldn't find much information when I first started about the cruise industry. But I, um, I had worked in a flower shop in my senior year of high school as a delivery driver. And I learned a little bit about the flower industry, not much. But mm -hmm. my, uh, my boss um, and I stayed in touch. And he actually suggested, he goes, why don't you check out the flower industry? It's such a big industry. Mm -hmm. Way different than just this little mom and pop shop that you know, we have here in Florida. Um, and so I did. And, and in New Orleans is where I was going to school. I was going to school at the University of Loyola in New Orleans. Okay. And uh, I found lots and lots and lots of places that I could gather information to in order for me to do my report. Uh, wholesalers, nurseries, um, mm. you know, different florists that I, you know, interviewed. So I had a set of questions and I got an A on the, on the class. And um, okay. lo and behold, one of the flower shops I had interviewed was hiring around the holidays and said, Hey, you know, we'd love to take you on. Would you like to come work with us? <laughs> and that's how it started. Oh man. Right on. That's how it started. And, and that flower shop in, in New Orleans, um, I met a woman from Berkeley, California, and she was the one that, you know, first told me to, you know, pick up the knife and follow my lead and I'll show you how to do this. And, mm. and the rest is history. She convinced me to move out to California and, um, you know, convinced me to, to continue to, to pursue that, that field. And mm. it took me to Hawaii. It took me to Australia, New Zealand. Um, yeah, I've really Great. enjoyed the, the industry, but uh, I got out of it several years ago. I don't do it for a living any longer, uh, but I still do it for my church. I, I do flowers for my church and special occasions. And every once in a while, someone will hire me as a freelancer to do you know big projects like weddings or, or big parties. Right but it, it's not part of who I am anymore that much uh, i try to keep flowers in my house every every week so that's nice. that still keeps me bringing in beautiful things into the house thank you man thank you for sharing that i appreciate that um well let's do that let's do the mask. you have a mask you don't, don't show it. yet don't show it yet we're gonna yeah. we're gonna write the words now so on okay. the front on the front of the mask which is the where you drew the mask i want you to write three words that are qualities of yourself that you gladly let the world see okay and then Three words or three qualities or characteristics you gladly let the world see. So write those on the left side. Well, you're doing the front, on the front of the mask. Okay. Okay. So, um, okay. And now we're going to turn it over. So you're going to do on the back now, the back. And the back is different than the front. You don't need to draw anything on the back. Um, but on the back, you're going to write three words or phrases that are qualities of yourself that you often don't talk about, you often, you may not let people see, but three that you feel comfortable sharing with us today. So three things you normally don't talk much about. Um, and those are the words on the back of the mask. 
Okay. Well, mine um, was inspired by your your intros. I'm gonna. All right. Do, do you want to go first? Um, we're gonna do front, and then no, you can you can go back first. Can you go first? Okay. All right. Well, let me show the mask. <clears throat> this is what I drew. This is the front. I'm not sure what that. It just happened to call me today. And these are the words I picked for today: um, dedicated, uh, passionate, and caring. Um, I, I think when I think about like how I definitely right now in my work is so intense, there's so much things going on. So like, I'm, I'm clearly, I think for anyone who knows me, I'm dedicated to the work, um, passionate, like I, I would say passionate slash intense, right? Like I think sometimes I'm, 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 I'm intense for people, uh, just cause I'm trying to just get stuff done. I'm like kind of moving like at a faster speed sometimes and uh, I have to like sometimes slow myself down because I'll be like saying something really fast I think sometimes fast can seem like like it's rushed and it's not taken with care so sometimes I have to be careful that I'm not going so fast that I'm like giving like in incomplete instructions or um, or if I'm giving somebody a direction on how to move forward with something that I'm not like leaving out pieces because I'm just moving so fast but that's that's the front um, and caring. I think caring is one that I've only recently started like writing on the paper, even though I think I try and do it. I think sometimes being so dedicated and intense and passionate sometimes could feel sometimes distant. Right. Could feel like bottom line focused only. But I truly have a heart for people. So um, that's the front dedicated, passionate and caring. And so you want to show your friend of yours? Sure. All right. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. So my mask. It's got a little SF Giants hat on. That's nice. me. <laughs> Big Giants fan. Nice. Um, and the words I chose were generous, dependable, and open-hearted. Mm. That's, that's the mask I show people. You know, that's yeah. the side of me. I, I'm, I'm very generous with my time um, and ge just generous in general to, to my family, to my, my friends, <clears throat> to the clients I serve, um, you know, to people that ask for help. You know, mm. I, I want to help people. I, I guess mm. that's part of who I am, a big part of who I am, or certainly a big part of who I show people on the outside. Uh, dependable. I follow through with what I say I'm going to do. Um, and if I don't, I feel really bad about that. I, I beat myself up if I'm not able to follow through or not able to deliver on something that I've, I've said I would do. Yeah. Um, that was one of the ways that I really connected with the men in jails and prisons uh, that I worked with was that, you know, they, they were so distrustful of the system and, and people coming in and out of, of the jail um, that I, I, I was able to connect with them and gain their trust by, by showing up and then by following through with what they asked me to do and, and many times helping them uh, with getting into a program or helping them with assistance with their attorney or, you know, in some other way, just, and sometimes just listening, just, you know, hanging out with them, coming back, you know, that was another thing that, you know, was, was a big part of the work I was doing in jails and prisons was that I came back every week or every other week or every day. Um, so dependable. And, and certainly I'd bring that to my work also and the work that I do now and the work I used to do. My father gave me a, a very strong work ethic. You know, when I was mm. a kid, I, I started delivering papers at 11 years old. <clears throat> so I had to get up every morning at 5.30 and deliver papers. And I did that for probably five or six years. And then, you know, all the way through my work life, um, it's, it's part of who I am, dependable. And then right. uh, open-hearted. So that's, you know, where my, my emotions on my sleeve, I, I cry easily. Uh, I, I talk, um, from my heart a lot. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very loving and caring. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's the, the part of me that I, that comes forth, that comes out and people connect with that open heartedness uh, of my, my soul. Yeah, I, I love the word open hearted. I think I have not used that word before on, on my mask. Um, but I like that. I think it's we have a quote in our work when we say um, the longest distance that most people travel is the 18 inches between their head and their heart. 
Absolutely. And I think that um, how do we get into our hearts and let it be open and knowing that if you open it, it has a potential of getting shifted around and punched in, you know, and 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 hurt. I mean, that's a, for lack of a better word, it can be hurt or broken, right? Yeah. Um, but how to not become the broken hearted person that never lets it open again, you know? So thank you for sharing that one. I appreciate it. Um, all right, here's the back. Now this one is, um, this one feels intense right now. I don't know why, but, um, and I'm, I'm probably going to talk about one of them, but this is, um, <laughs> it's inspired. So here it is. Uh, I wrote, let me see here. Clear. I wrote caused harm, um, childhood abuse, and domestic abuse in home as a child. Um, uh, yeah, wow. And when you think about when you talked when you talked about this idea of like when you looked at yourself and you said, "Oh, I have been, I've been doing this my whole life." And I think only recently I went to a men's retreat and um, and someone asked me a question. You know, I was talking about we were talking about growing up and. Um, my when my mom got married, I was like twelve or thirteen. She married a guy. We didn't get along a whole lot. Um, he, he, I think he was really mean, like really almost to the verge of being like evil to me and my siblings who were not his kids. And I remember, um, him and he had a son by my mom. And I think what I what I what I realized in a lot of my behaviors as a teenage, young teenager. I mean, I left home when my brother was like four or five, so I went to college. But like, I think I was. This man was really being mean to me, called, you know, verbally abusive, like just you know, attempted sometimes to be physically abusive, and I just um, took it out on my little brother, like, like his, and I and I realized that my brothers and I relationship. I used to blame on him. On my on my on my mom's husband, I used to blame on him that my brother and our relationship was so off. Well, because he he created this adversity in the home, and I realized as this past week that you know I was twelve, thirteen. You know, I was young too, but I took out what he dished to me on my little brother, and I think that our relationship was, and now I have to make amends for that with my brother. You know. And we, we're, you know, we're adults now, so we're, we're, our relationship is now starting to grow, and, and it had, and, you know, for it took a long time, for the journey of our relationship, and I realized that I, I can't blame his father anymore for how I treated him. I, I have to take own, even though I was a young kid, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, I, don't, I still have a responsibility now, and I realize what I was doing, to go back and, and try and clean that up, and. uh I'm glad to know that. I'm glad to know that, right? I think I could easily like keep blaming this abusive, you know, stepfather in the home without taking part of my responsibility that I was sometimes mean and sometimes passing on what I was getting, the harm I was getting, the hurt I was getting, I was causing hurt too. So, um that's that's the one that is resonating the most with me um and I'm not going to speak too much about the other two um, childhood abuse, um, and then domestic abuse at home. And that's at the hands of that, um, that stepfather. So yeah, well, I, I'm, that, I'm that all encourage you to take a breath, man. And yeah. Yeah. For feel real. that for a minute. You know, that was deep. That was deep Ashante. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I was just going to share a different one. So yeah, it all happened right this moment. So thank you being able to name it for me being able to name it out loud i mean on on this i mean i've just recently named it in a space of men doing men's work but now to name it out loud is uh it, it means I, I have some still more work to do around it but i'm excited about that yeah but but yeah. you have the courage to do some work around it and that's a huge step yeah. in that healing process brother thank you huge step thank you Thank you. Yeah. So my side that I don't like to show people, um, and these are just a few words that I came up with. Um, Mean-spirited. Uh, procrastination. And then insecure. 
afraid, scared. Hmm. Those are the other side of my mask. Yeah. Um, mean spirited, I, I, I have this side of me that can be very revengeful. Um, you know, the work that we do in, in the Men Creating Peace program, and it comes from the Man Alive tradition, is that the, in the work, the very early stages of the work, we name our hitman, our violent side, our abusive side, and words that describe how we become when we become mm. abusive. And mine is the justified, vengeful equalizer. So <laughs> it's a mean, he's mean. He's he he gets revenge. If you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to hurt you. So mm. it, it's and, it, and I get biblical, right? It's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, you're going to feel the pain that you inflicted on me, and, mm. and sometimes you're going to feel it worse. And that that hitman side of me, that that justified, vengeful equalizer, has gotten me into a lot of trouble. And that's a, a very angry side of me. And it comes from a lot of hurt that I suffered as a child and as a young adult and teenager growing up. Um, I was always small, kind of it felt like I was one of the smaller kids in the class. And I was uh, the, uh, the only boy in the family in between two girls. Um, you know, my dad and my mom split up when I was 15. Uh, dad was working all the time. Um, my mother was very critical and, and harsh and, and had some mental health issues that were undiagnosed and, and she never got treatment for. So that was, that was very difficult growing up. And when my parents split up, you know, my, my mom really took out all her aggression and energy and, and anger towards my dad on me because I was the only boy in the family. And uh, eventually my sisters got it too, but, but I, I got the brunt of it, um, especially early on. So, you know, that's, that's also part of that justified, you know, I feel justified when I get abusive, you know, there's a reason for it. I have a, I have excuses for, for why I get violent and why I get revengeful, which is BS, right? That's, that's all my, my own internal dialogue in my head that tells me it's okay to be violent and abusive. And the procrastination side, uh, that's something I've just dealt with all my life, you know, just trying to do too many things, trying to, to tackle too many chores or take on too many tasks. Um, and then things that get, you know, dropped by the wayside or, or things that um, I decide to prioritize and then I don't concentrate on finishing things that I start. A lot of times it takes me a while to finish something I started, like cleaning up my room or or, uh, you know, maybe writing a report or, or creating a manual or getting ready for a, a presentation. You know, these are some of the things that I put off and I'll get to it and I've got something else comes up or a phone call or some other crisis or a fire comes up, you know, and I've got to put it out. And that has to do with, you know, that takes my attention away from, from doing stuff. Um, you know, exercising, taking better care of myself. That's something that I've procrastinated a lot of my life. And, um, and only recently, over the last couple of years, have I done more to do that, you know, to take better care of that. But that is something that I've really procrastinated on. Uh, my daughter was just visiting from New York, and she is in her early 30s. And she was like, Daddy, I, I really think that you need to, to start working at a, you know, with, a, with a trainer or with someone that can instruct you on how to you know, take better care of yourself. Um, or, or she invited me to, to start going to a, a yoga class, on, you know, on a regular, either online or in person. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's something that's, that I'm doing consistently with some instruction, you know, on taking better care of myself. So I'm open to that, you know, and, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to procrastinate that. I made an agreement with her that I would start that uh, very soon. Mm, so, so within nice. the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start doing that. Nice. Um, and then the, the insecure me. Uh, the scared, the l little boy inside me that's that's frightened, yeah. you know. Um, that's a, a part of me that I don't like to show other people. You know, I talked about how terrifying it was for me to do public speaking. You know, that was extremely hard for me to get over, to stand up in front of a group of people and, and share yeah. my story or to talk in, in general about anything. You know, I, 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 even to this day, I, I struggle with it. You know, that, yeah. that scared side of me, that little boy inside who doesn't think he's going to do it right or he's going to make a mistake or he's going to stumble or mm. he's going to stutter, you know, or he's mm -hmm. going to something, you know, he's going to do is wrong. And, and that's what everybody's going to focus on is yeah. my mistake. 
you know, or what I didn't do right or what I didn't complete. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a, a side of me or, or, or not knowing how to do something and, and really, really, really keeps me stuck. Um, yeah. One of the things I, I can share that, that is really one of the hardest things for me to get over now is, is technology, you know, how to do technology, how to utilize technology, um, you know, how to, to, to create a calendar, how to do zoom calls, how to use all the different functions in the zoom call. Um, yeah just how to get up online and, and how to research something. My, my daughter you know, got me on Netflix the other day for the first time. I'd never been on Netflix. And she's like, what? You ought to do this. <laughs> Check it out. You know, this is how you do it. And she kind of walked me through it. And, and again, it, it's that, that scared side of me, that insecure side of me that, that keeps me yeah. stuck um, with doing, doing certain things, especially around technology. But, you know, uh, doing public speaking, doing this podcast is, is scary for me. You know, I've got to say, you know, opening myself up and, and being real and, and, and exposing myself, you know, in a, in a very public forum is, is scary. It's, it's going out on the skinny limb for me. So thanks for being patient. Man, thank you. Thank you for being here. And I mean, so much of what you said resonated and I really want to come back to that hit man. That was, um, that was a powerful thing I heard, um, in, in the session, but also like, and your, your pit man sounds like a, a twin to mine. Like, like, and I think, Oh my God. So can you, okay. First, thank you for sharing the back of that. Like I, I want to talk about the insecurity. There's a story coming up for me about that procrastination. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so thank you. Thank you. And I, and I, and I think for men out here who, uh, for whoever's listening to this, I mean, I think, we all may have a hitman in our life that call, comes out when we feel, and maybe you can tell me more. What, how, how does a hitman show up in our life, and where, where does he, where does he hide at? Well, the concept that we share in in the work um, in the in the men creating peace program came from you know the early work that they did in Man Alive around that concept of a, of a belief system that we all men grow up and women too, right? What the yeah. roles that we're supposed to take on as men, the shoulds and shouldn'ts, a man should, yeah. a man shouldn't, a man should protect his family. A man shouldn't get disrespected. You know? mm. um, a man should be able to provide for his family. A man shouldn't be broke. Right. Mm. Those are just a couple. And then, and then a woman, right? Or oh, it's a woman's role. A woman should be nurturing and loving and submissive. Yeah. Um, a woman shouldn't be disrespectful. A woman shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't flirt with other men if you're in a committed relationship. Uh, a woman shouldn't embarrass her man or call him out, you know, especially in front of his friends or in front of his children, right? Yeah. So these are just some of the moral belief system. We all grew up with a belief system. We were all taught this belief system through right. media, through you know, sports through um, music, through films that we saw, our TV programs that we saw, through our older brothers and sisters, if we had them, or cousins, or uncles, or grandparents, or yeah. you know, everyone that had influence over us. Even even the you know the our religion. You know, if we if we had a, a particular religious practice mm -hmm. that influenced us, you know, about yeah. the roles that men are supposed to play and the roles that women are supposed to play. That's right. And this dynamic of the inferior over or, or superior over inferior. Men are taught to play the superior role mm. and women women are taught to play the inferior role. And we know that today that that's that's changing dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in so many ways and and you know and there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still such a tremendous inequality when it comes to to men and women. Um, and the way that men treat women yeah. And, and oftentimes, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a challenge to that belief system. That's what that, and you asked the question last night, what is fatal peril? Well, fatal peril, mm. that, that means deadly danger. It's when my image of who I see myself as a man gets challenged. That mm. male role belief system that I've been indoctrinated in and I've, I've taken on and, and I, I've been programmed to believe that that's yeah. the way it should be and the way it shouldn't be. When that gets challenged, that's the moment of fatal peril. And that's when my hitman gets activated. Mm. It's like the go button. It's like, oh shit, you know, you, you, you now you've crossed me. Now you've disrespected mm. me. Now you're really going to see who, 
who you've messing with. Yeah. And that's, that's the hitman. That, that side of me that comes up when I get challenged, when my belief system gets challenged, when I get disrespected, when yeah. I feel ashamed or embarrassed or less than, you know, or not good enough. That's, that's when he comes out and he gets defensive and he gets aggressive and he gets mean yeah. <laughs> and he gets violent. Yeah. And, 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 and then other people start to back down and, and he reasserts himself as a dominant role or the superior role. And we can see that in sports. We can see yeah. that in, in business world. We can see that in education. We can see that yeah. in, in the family dynamic. Look at you and your brother, you yeah. know, who's top dog here. You know, I'm going to show you I'm your big yeah. brother and you don't mess with me. Yeah. You know, or you're going to get yeah. some of this ass whooping, right? Okay. And and again, I would imagine your your stepfather took on that same role of I'm going to teach Ashanti. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. have a father, but I want to show him what a father is like. That's right. You know, I'm going to I'm going I'm to pound it into him, right? That's right. That's I don't right. I don't know any more about your dynamic with him, but you know, yeah. it just sounds like there was there was some abusive behavior that yeah. you know that was traumatizing. That was that had some a real negative impact on you, yeah. and then yeah. that came out with your aggressive behavior or your abusive behavior towards your little brother. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, that's, that's what the hitman is about is and helping the men to identify that and name that yeah. side of us. Yeah. It's like, okay, now I can out him. I can, I can bring him out in the public because mm. the hitman does his, his work in, in private. You don't want, you don't want the people to see that. He doesn't want his mm. family members to see that. He doesn't want the people he goes to work with to see that certainly yeah. doesn't want the folks that he goes to church or synagogue with, you know, or temple with. To yeah. see that side of him, you know, he wants to show that other mask, right? It's a, it's right. another mask that I wear. And I'm a good right. guy, nice family man. And everything, I got yeah. my shit together, and everything's yeah. cool. That's you know, right. But, but you wouldn't want to get me upset. You wouldn't want to cross me. You wouldn't want to disrespect me because then you see a whole different side of me come out. Was like the Incredible Hulk. Like the Incredible Hulk, exactly. That's a good analogy. Right? A yeah. good analogy. So don't that's the work, angry. work we do like in that first stage, right? It's identifying anger and what happens when we get angry and that yeah. belief system and, and kind of educating and helping the men to realize, you know, that they were, they were, they were taught this yeah. and now you can unlearn this. Right. Violent behavior does not have to be part of your vocabulary or part of your, your belief system or part of who you are. And in second stage, we, we identify the authentic self, our true self, our real self, mm. that little boy inside that we had locked up yeah. you know, after we were, hurt for the first time or That's we right. were told you know early on four or five years old you know be a man grow up i, I watched mm. one of your videos last night mm. and and you had a, a a coach that from the nfl that that was interviewed and, and he, he he put it so eloquently about yeah. the, those first couple of words that men are taught be a man grow yeah. up you know yeah. act like a man That's grow right. some balls That's right. Know? That's suck right. it up play through the pain all those messages that we get taught as a little boy to stuff our authentic self, our true self, That's and right. take on this this mask, this pretend self, this head man, because it protects us from That's our right. vulnerability. It protects mm-hmm. us, as you said, from getting hurt. Because when I'm open-hearted and vulnerable and honest, then I lay myself open to getting hurt. That's right. And, That's right. It takes a lot of courage to, to, to take off that mask, to take off that hitman disguise. And, yeah. and to really show everyone else my authentic or true self because I'm right. being vulnerable. I'm being, I'm putting myself out there to get wounded or hurt. Mm. So the hitman is almost a, a protector of the authentic self. Exactly. Good, good mm. analogy. Uh, Ashanti. It is a protector. Mm. Yeah. You know, I take on that hitman role to protect myself, to protect that little boy inside. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, we, Ooh, we, ooh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Listen, here's what I know. I know that if more of our young people were taught about how that operates in their life, I think we would do. We would eliminate so much of what we see happening because sometimes they're unaware. It pops out, and they're justified. Oh, no, he made me mad. That's why I did it. That's why I said it. That's why, like, it, it, it always becomes justified. In Oakland, we see so much happening right now. So many murders happening in Oakland of of, of thing. And I don't know all the details, but I just know a lot of this, oh, well, he did that to my people. I'm going to do that to his people. And I'm going to do that. And it becomes this back and forth, back and forth uh, hunt for I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you, right? Or you, 
oh, you challenge me? Oh, you you doubt me? Or you think you know more? Like all the ways it shows up and how it and how you describe that. And it's just so powerful. And I think I, I think I, I can't wait for you. To, I can't wait for us to, to do more of this work together. I think that our young men and our communities need to know this. I mean, here's what we're seeing right now. Let me tell you what we're seeing in schools right now. I'm, I've, I've gotten calls from several districts and schools there's a lot of um, sexual harassment going on in schools today. A lot of fighting, a lot of violence, but a lot of a lot of handsy stuff going on in our schools right now, and more than before, mm-hmm. more than before. And I think that whatever there's lots of people have lots of theories around it. And I have my own theories around it, but I do know, and as we saw during the pandemic, there's been an uptick in uh, intake of pornography in our young men's lives and 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 the data shows it's mostly young men that's what the data shows mm-hmm. and you can go look up the data you can go look up the sources of where that comes from and i think that this idea that women are our property right women are there to serve and to be used by us and i think um that idea gets ingrained and gets locked in and that you're they're there to, at the pleasure of you or as, a, as me, as a man, there, there's just a pleasure to fulfill a pleasure piece of me, fulfill a missing part of me, fulfill whatever that, however you want to define it. But I think N- numb the pain, numb the pain, Not numb the pain. No, I mean, numb that's, the pain. they're looking for that. I mean, and then, and again, it's, it has to do with that belief system, you know, early on where we're taught, you know, that, that you, you can only become a man when you lose your virginity. Ooh-wee. You can only become a man when you start to have sex and then you get, then you get props, right. For having sex with multiple partners. And then, it, and, and then you objectify women more, you know, <laughs> and then it's like, then they really are, be, they become, uh, you know, just kind of expendable income, you know, expendable uh, commodities that, you know, okay, and it starts I'm younger. Get this, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get this. And I, if I can get that, sure. I can get this. That's right. You know, if That's she right. likes me, then then I got four women that like me, and, and it just boosts our ego. Talk about your hitman. It just mm. pumps your hitman up, you know, to think that you're the shit, you're the Mac, you're the daddy, you're, you know, That's you, right. you got you got it going on. And then and then when you have a child, yes. you know, it's like, okay, yes. now it's like that's a little mini me, right? And, and now I'm more <laughs> of a man because now not only am I having sex, but now yeah. I've created another human being. But yeah. then you know what to do with that responsibility. And, and that's the sad thing, you know, kids having kids That's right. and, and not being able to, to educate them and talk to them about that. It, it, it's crazy. Our, our, our society is so far behind mm-hmm. with regards to sex education and prevention of, 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 of teenage pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. She's a therapist and, mm-hmm. and she was like, in Denmark, they start when at the age of six, giving mm-hmm. children sex education. And they have one of the lowest rates of teenage pregnancy yeah. in the world. Yeah. Giving them education, helping yeah. them to prevent STDs, helping them prevent unwanted pregnancies, helping to learn how to have a healthy sexual relationship with someone. That's you know, right. We know that, that young men and women are going to have sex. It happens. It's, we're, we're programmed to procreate. We're programmed to have sex. That's it's right. part of it. You know, It's part of connecting with other human beings. But how to do it in a way that's loving and caring that's right. you know and gentle and and respectful yeah, is is what we're not teaching our young men and women especially right. our young men that's right and i think in our, what we see here in our in my i'm in, in oakland what we see in a lot of our young men we talk to this idea is you're expected to have sex young you're expected to know all about it you're expected and and having one then oh well, you don't got two. And like you talked about, the, the, the prowess becomes like, oh, now I can prove to all the other young men on the yard that I'm actually really cool because not only am I dating that one, I'm dating another one, I'm dating another And that becomes the stories, right? Mm-hmm. And then there becomes a dance between, oh, no, but you can't you can't date that one because I already dated, I already went with that one. And therefore, then it becomes this competition like, oh, you you broke the code. <laughs> you You went against the code. You don't love her. You don't even like her, but now I she's off limits because you have now 
march your territory, right? <laughs> right, right. And therefore becomes a, and then how many fights come in schools around oh, yeah. that? Around absolutely. Oh, he 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 trying to date, he trying to date my ex, blah blah blah. Like all the all the norms that are expected that you just don't do. You just don't do it. It's just a part of the code. Oh, okay. And all oh, where those rules come from? Well, they got passed down from somebody who said this is the way it has to be. So I'm gonna keep spreading my territory so no one can like it be, almost becomes illogical when you talk to them about it they realize how illogical some of their thought processes are but they've been bought in and they yeah. have to re, re reprogram themselves to be like hmm oh hmm interesting <laughs> and you imagine you help them give them language to say well, how how are you showing up like that tell me about that like i had one young man a couple of years ago posted his friends thought he was gay they, they were calling him gay. He posted himself having sex with a girl online. Okay, brother. Um, I understand your desire to prove your that you're not homosexual, but you are now about to find yourself in locked up in a jail because you're because of what you are doing now to prove to people who you don't even care about, who don't care about you, and now you're about to put through your life. Your life is now in jeopardy for the rest of your life. And I think that that that's only one example, but you probably can look up many examples of young people who have tried to prove to other people certain things and mm -hmm. has absolutely destroyed their own well-being and future. You know, it's about um, tr trying to prove that you're a man. That's right. That's you right. You know, and, instead of just being a teenager or being a little boy or being a, you know just a human being. That's right. It's about trying to prove to everybody that I'm a man. That I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove it to you. That's right. right. That's right. And it's and that's where the hitman comes in, you know. And, and violence is it goes hand in hand with trying to prove that you're a man, you know. So so that, so that people don't get over on you. So so that you don't get bullied, or you don't get accused of being a, a girl, or or get yeah. accused of being gay, or get accused of being a mama's boy. It was one of the mm -hmm. things you shared last night. Yeah. You know, or shared in one of your videos that I watched. That's right. You know, that that that's that's the worst thing that you can be called a mama's boy. Or, yeah. or or a gay person or yeah. you know or or uh, you know a, a little girl you know and, and again that's <laughs> some older man some older boy yeah telling you this you know that's and right. hurting your feelings and making right. you feel embarrassed and ashamed you know of who you really are you know okay <laughs> I'm I, I I'm a man that's that, that can be effeminate I work with yeah. flowers for God's sakes I mean it's <laughs> like what you know my friends were like what are you, are you gay now are you living in san francisco and you work with flowers i'm like no i'm not yeah. you know yeah. I, I work with a lot of gay men I, I have a lot of gay men that are my friends close friends yeah. you know that i love them and i yeah. care about them i go out with them and, and i you know hang out with them and yeah. you know have them in my home and and, and have my kids around them you know and, and i was like I'm, I'm proud of that that's right but no i don't have to be gay and be you know typecast because i'm a florist that's right. That That's doesn't right. identify me as gay. And, right. and what's wrong with being gay? I mean, it's okay to be gay. Again, it's like that male belief system. That's you right. can't be gay. That's you right. can't be attracted to another man. That's, that's bullshit. Right. Yeah. And that's so twisted. And, and men get so upset with that. And, and they, you know, who they really are, they can't really be because that's they're right. going to get bullied. Or they're going to get beat up or they're going to get mm. embarrassed or shamed for who they really are. That's right. And it happens all the time. It's sad. It's so it, starts, it starts younger and younger and younger, younger. and younger and younger. I mean, to the point where, where, where young boys are called gay and they don't even know what that means. That's right. Oh, I, I had a parent, second grade parent, her kid, him and his best friend have lunch together every day. They sit at the table. They're right next to each other. They're sharing lunch. And one kid, a bigger kid came over and called, said, oh, you two are gay. And this kid, Second grade, didn't even know what the word meant, but he knew he went home that day and he knew it didn't feel good. He knew he felt something mm -hmm. was wrong with what that boy had said. He asked his mom, what does that mean? What, is, what does gay mean? And his mom's like, huh? And he, she told him, he told her a story and the mom was like, how do I protect my son from, from wanting them to be the most authentic self and have a best friend that they share lunch and they, they sit so close there, they're like one, right? Mm -hmm. And then they begin to like push each other away because I can't get too close. I can't sit close to you. I can't share lunch with you because now there's a a, 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 a title 
that this means. And it doesn't feel good. Even without me knowing what it meant, it know it didn't feel good. And I think that's the work that we have, you know? That's I the think work men want to be connected to other men. Oh, and in other other cultures and other countries, men walk down the street arm in arm, you know, with their arms around each other. They kiss each other on the cheek. They hug each other. They're affectionate with each other. And yeah. they're and they're not accused of being homosexual. You yeah. know, it's 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 okay to be affectionate with another man. We want to connect with other men, we, you know, to have yeah. those close friendships and kinships. Yeah. But then when someone calls us or attacks us, you know, and challenges our, our manhood around that, it's like, oh, I can't be your friend anymore. Or I can't be close to you. Or I can't give you a hug anymore. Back off. That's right. That's right. Oh, man, Devin. Oh, man. I think we could go on forever. I think we're gonna, we may have to like, uh, maybe maybe one idea we could think of, and I know that one of the men who mentioned he loves podcasts. Maybe we could do like a. We've been talking about a part of a show where we're going to do like a like have four men at the same time, doing the math together. So I think we're gonna maybe maybe this would be a really cool thing we should like think about. Like we're gonna do one of those. Whoa, sorry, something something just happened. I don't know what happened. Uh, Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. You never know what's going to happen. I just heard something slam. I can't. I can't even see the front door from where I'm at. So, but I heard the door slam. So, um, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. And thank I you for inviting you. me, Ashante, and and thank oh, you for man. the work, the courageous work that you're doing with the young men here, in, in Alameda County and in Oakland and Hayward, and the the lives that you were touching. You know, thank and you, I, I just. I'm so grateful and I feel so blessed to, to have gotten to know you a little bit, you know, and appreciative of, of what you do because, you know, you're touching these men and these young men and these young boys and you're encouraging them to be different and better, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. to, to, to walk into their greatness. That's right. You know, That's don't right. sell themselves short. And it's, it's so easy to get trapped in that selling yourself short. That's right. You know, and, and because of, whatever reason i don't have a dad right yeah or the color yeah. of my skin or i don't do so well in school or i'm not that smart or i'm not yeah. that athletic so i'm less than and i sell yeah. myself short and that's the encouragement that we need to give these young men you know that don't sell yourself short you know shoot for the stars yeah you can be anything you want to be Man, thank you for that message. How about you tell folks who may be interested in taking one of your courses or how they can get in touch with you? What is, just share with us the information, and we'll make sure it's in the show notes, but tell folks how they can um, learn more about what you're doing and the work that you're up to. So they can certainly find us on our website, mencreatingpeace.org. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram and those social media networks. Um, email me, call me. I mean, all, all my contact information is, is on our website. Uh, we have Zoom classes on, on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights um, from 6 p.m. until 8 p.m. And we hope to go back to face-to-face -face sometime next year, maybe at Laney College again, nice. um, and doing kind of a hybrid, you know, some maybe some classes face-to-face -face and some classes still on Zoom because I think it can reach a larger audience. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to encourage people, if, if they're not comfortable doing a group, if they're self-referred, they're, you know, thinking about the fact that they've got some abusive behavior or they've, they've had some problems in their relationship due to their anger or their aggression, that they can work with me one-on-one, -on -one. you know, that I do provide that service. And, and I work with folks around their, their schedule, around my schedule. We work once a week, an hour a week. I give them a, an assignment. They take it. We work out of the same curriculum that we're working in the groups. And we go step-by-step, -step, you know, a more intensive one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. That's an option. Um, and, and the other is, is that we're doing more community outreach, you know, things like this, this podcast, um, collaborating with, with groups like yourself uh, and, and other community organizations to get the yeah. word out about intimate partner violence and about how to get help for it, you know, what, what to look for, how to help someone. You know, we don't always have to get law enforcement involved. We don't always have to get the, the judicial system involved, you yeah. know, or CPS or social services involved, you know, that there are ways and the resources out there that can help people. And so that's another big part of, of where we're trying to pivot to 
is to do more community outreach and, and get to a larger population segment of our population, you know, and to really, um, you know, to also target different communities, you know, and cultural sensitivity and, and to work in those communities, either, you know, spiritual communities or social communities or cultural communities to, to get the message out, to say that, you know, there is help available. And, and if there's not, let's design something. Let's work to, to, to create something in your community that helps your community members. Um, yeah. But that early intervention that, that we talked about, you know, and the, the work that you're doing, I think is so important. And that's a language I have a hard time speaking. So yeah. I'm, I'm much more comfortable working with adult men. But I, I, again, it's, it's that, that collaboration with, with folks that are already doing it. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I've got a, an interesting curriculum that I'm willing to share, you know, but, but I'm always open to growing and changing and learning and, and uh, you know, metamorphosizing, you know, hey, changing into well, a butterfly. There we go. However Let's we can touch it. people. Well, Devin, I want to say thank you for being here. I want to appreciate you for the work you're doing. And I'm hoping I, I've, I've gotten a bunch of notes and I've just gotten inspired all over again. And so thank you. And we look forward. We have all this information in the show notes so people can find you there. Um, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank, thank you, you Shanti. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate you bringing me on. Take care. Have a great day. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, brother. Taking Off The Mess podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing, videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast. As we hit this one-year anniversary, we hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off The Mask experience. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share. And we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.